Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcast. To get connected, visit our website, www.edgechurch.co.za or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi, and we will connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel. Enjoy listening to the sermon today. Fantastic. As you can see, Holiday Club is here. It is happening and it is exciting. There's a buzz in the house. We had an amazing first service already where we were able to commission volunteers that were there. Um, and you might be wondering, you're like, we still have kids programs that are happening. Edge Kids is still a thing. It's still happening. And so a lot of those leaders are still there. Don't worry. They are staying there the whole time. They were here at the first service. Now they're going to have their moment to be commissioned. Um, and it was incredible what God is doing. And this weekend was amazing. I was, I was overwhelmed this weekend on the Friday night and I, and I was supposed to get up and do like a, come on, let's go and take it. And I was so emotional because at the beginning of this year, God spoke a word. We were in Drakensburg and God spoke this word from Isaiah 58 about how he called us to go and rebuild a new, rebuild Isaiah 58. The verse says, go build anew the foundations from out of your past and you'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins. Notice, rebuild, renovate, Make the community livable again. It was a word that God spoke. And it was in this area of next gen that he particularly spoke to us about how as a church, there has always been God's favor. There has always been the foundation in which we hold on to and a great legacy within this house with God's next gen. But there was a word that was spoken. He says, I want you to build a new. Do you know a new means it's different? There's something else. And that's where God took us. And then seen on Friday night, Knowing 244 volunteers, that's an army of volunteers that have signed up to say, I'm a part of rebuilding to the next generation. I was emotional because I was looking at this. I was like, God, here's the hands and the feet. This is actually putting flesh to the vision in which you gave and to see that this church, these things that are happening here. And I was so overwhelmed by that. And so I want to commend from the beginning, every volunteer, everyone that is involved with this as a church. I want to say, I am so so proud. I am so proud. I am so proud. I get to serve in the kitchen this year and my kitchen crew, they're the best. I'm just saying, I am so proud to be able to be serving along people who are saying, I'm a part of this. I'm rebuilding into this next generation. And so this morning, what I want to share about is about the next gen. And you might be like, oh my word, again, are we hearing this? <laughs> then we're doing our job if you say that. Because I tell you, when God has given us a vision and a mandate for this house, I want to follow what he's saying. And follow his, where he had said, I want you to focus on this area. It wasn't just, it wasn't just like one person heard this. It was as a, a leadership team. We heard God discern to us about focusing on the next generation. And so why we speak about this? Why do we do this? Why do we decorate this hall and, and have this with us all over stage? Why are we so passionate about the next generation? About three months ago in our Rebuild Vision series that I spoke, it was in April, the 3rd of April in fact, I spoke a message about how we were called to rebuild and I titled that message, We Are Called to Fight for the Next Generation. How, how there's actually a fight plan that we need to have to fight for this generation. You know what they say, that the church is just one generation away from closing its doors. 
And how God spoke to us and I spoke about that. And this morning, I want to continue. I couldn't share everything back then. And so this morning, I want to continue with that message. And today's message is actually purely vision. It is completely speaking into the vision of the future because we're talking about a generation and we're talking about our next gen. The next generation is the future. And so what I'm speaking about, Holodega for Mission in Service, but it's about Rebuild 2022 and for the future of our church. And I want to speak about a generation that the world knows as Gen Z. This is a generation that was born 1995 to 2015. So if you're not in there... No, sorry, not even close, some people. <laughs> I'm not even in here. That's when I realized that, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even fall into this generation anymore. But this generation, the current age is seven to 27-year-olds. And what we know about this generation and, and different information that I found and Deloitte together, a whole bunch of stuff, they talk about this generation is known as the generation of firsts. This generation is bringing in new realities that we have never seen before. They are our first generation. That's what they actually refer to. But this is what I find interesting about this generation. And I was like, this, is, this sounds so accurate. They're a first generation that doesn't need adults for information. Why? Because they have Google. <laughs> but they need adults to interpret and how to apply the information. So, they're a first generation that can broadcast every thought and emotion in real time. TikTok? Hello. Let's talk about it. I love TikTok. Um, They're a first generation that has external stimuli at the fingertips 24-7, all the time. All the time. They speak about this generation will learn more from a portable device than a classroom. We love our teachers, but this is stats what they're showing. That this first generation that they're known as Gen Z is a generation that is always connected yet are so disconnected. Isolation is a big thing. Struggle with it. Now let's add in COVID and what happened over the past two years. And this is what really got to me. Is that this generation, what they're saying and what stats have shown, is that this generation endures the same anxiety level as someone who had been in a psychiatric ward in the 1950s. And if you think about that and you go, there's so much anxiety that our young people are facing in this day and age. And obtaining stats is a little bit more complicated. South Africa, got, I even tried to connect with people in higher places, say, please, can you give me some information? It is a little bit more harder to get for us. But when we see these stats and where I'm sharing it from, it comes from the Barna Group, who it is based in North American, but our trend is, is, is following so similar cross worlds what's happening. And so when we see it, it's a universal trend that's taking place. And, and the stats that are coming in regarding the Gen Z generation, that two out of three of them will leave church, church or already have left. That's what the stats say. They say that this generation is twice the chance more likely to be an atheist than any other generation that we have seen. Stats also show that only 3% of this generation, remember seven to 27-year-olds, are reading their Bible. Those are hectic stats to read. And you're like, where's the upliftment? We're supposed to be, yay, commissioning service and everything. Wait, I'm going there. You add in COVID for the past two years that have happened. And and COVID in some sense has decimated uh, every single one of us. 
There's an area of our life that it, it took something. But I really feel for this generation, it had the most decimation that took place in them. They were forced into isolation, forced into doing this. And you think, oh, but they loved that. They loved being on the devices and everything. It did something to this generation. And we saw it within our own church, what happened to our next gen. And so when God spoke to us about rebuilding, we were building out of foundations that were broken. There were things that were broken because of what's even happened in these past two years. And I read these things and you might be saying to me, sure, Daniel, we have a problem on our hands. I want to say this again. We don't need to, we have a problem there, but we also have an opportunity that's ahead of us. And as a church... Hear me, there is an opportunity that is in our hands. There's a seed that is in place in our hands. And what are we going to do with it? And you say, why are we so big about the next generation? Because of this. Why our heart will bleed for the next gen. And I want to go back to the verse that I shared in Nehemiah when I spoke about our Rebuild Vision series. Nehemiah, and you go, okay, so where does he fit in? To give you a quick context, we were a season of Israel, which was known as the Babylonian exile, they were captured, and there were 70 years that Israel was decimated. Things were challenging, things were difficult. And I think that this is a modern day picture of how our world is today. Do you think those who are connected have got young people in schools, or you, you see what goes on? Walls were broken down and, and Israel's walls and every Jerusalem, they were, they were devastated what was taking place. And you know, those walls were symbolism. It wasn't just to protect. There was actually symbolism that came in with the walls in that day and time. It was always a symbolism of that there was a good value system. There was a structure. There was security. There was stuff that was supporting the city, this town. And now it had been broken. And this is where we introduce to Nehemiah. He gets word of what's happening in his hometown. And God works in favors, and it's a bit more longer story. And he works, and all of, he's able to be there. And he starts to rebuild the city again, the walls. And this is what I want you to hear. This is what my prayer is for us today as we enter into this week of Holiday Club and going forward as a church. That my prayer is that as we go into what is God has called us about rebuilding in the next generation, that the spirit of Nehemiah will jump onto us as well. That we would also hear the voice of God and say, I am putting my hand up to rebuild this generation. My prayer is that we would have that spirit inside of us because it's so easy to look and to go, you know what? They like that. They don't want anyone to engage with them. That's just what they like. And so now you're telling me we must be different and that they want actually us to fight for them and all of these things. And I, how am I supposed to fix this? What am I supposed to do? We can go easily to that or there can be some of us that will put their hands up and say, I will be a Nehemiah that will go and rebuild these very walls. Do you hear me, church? And that is my prayer today and for us as a church. Because this is what Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 4. After reviewing this, he stood up, and this is Nehemiah speaking. And he said to the officials and the officers and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Yes, stats and all these things are what we see might show this. Don't be afraid of them. Why? Because remember that the Lord is great and awesome. And then he says, fight for your families. And this is what I want you to hear. That message that I shared on the 3rd of April, I titled it that we are called to fight for the next gen. What I've titled my message today is that they want us to fight for them. 
They want us to fight for them. You read that verse again. It says, fight for your families, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. And let me say it, this is not a parenting message. Some of you are like, I don't have kids, so what has this got to do with me? Stop shaking your head, Luke. This is not a parenting message. This is not about that. This is, in fact, this is a message that is for us as a church, for every single one, whether you're 12 or 70. This is applicable to every single one of us because the truth is that this generation wants us to fight for them. The way that God created us as humans, regardless of you are Gen Y or Gen X or, I don't know, a boomerang, what are they called? Yeah, Pedro's Gen A, the first generation. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> you Gen Adam. <laughs> Regardless of whatever generation it is, the generation wants us, we were created to be in connection. We were created to be wanted, to be loved. We were designed like that. So you cannot tell me there's a generation that doesn't want that. Yes, that we might put, and they might put on a persona that, don't, don't talk to me, I'm on my phone. Or, I don't want any help. I don't want your opinion. Leave me alone. That might be the persona. But deep down, every generation, and the Gen Z desperately want us to fight for them. And that's the me- my message today. This generation wants us to fight for them. One of our leading churches and a great um, way in which we are mentored and learned from, even as a church, and they did a stats with their church. They got one of the biggest churches in North America. And they did stats and they asked every, from the youngest age, they're from these greats, they're seven-year-olds to 27, this question to get information. And I, and I read about it on a blog and I was like, this, it caught me. They asked them this question. It says, I wish my parents knew, dot, dot, dot. And they allowed their kids to fill that out. This was some of the things that they posted about this. I wish my parents knew that even though my actions don't always show it, I desperately want to please them. I wish my parents knew how much I love them, even though I don't always say it. I wish that my parents knew how much I treasured their advice, even when I act like I couldn't care less. <laughs> All the teenage parents are like, Amen! <laughs> I wish my dad knew how much I loved holding his hand, even when I acted like I was embarrassed in front of my friends. When they wouldn't let me date a guy and I acted mad, I was actually really thankful that they were fighting for me. Instead of just threatening to punish me, I wish they actually did it. I wish my parents knew when I saw them fight all the time, how it really messed me up. I wish they knew that their words impacted me more than any others. Things they don't even remember saying have changed my life for the good and for the bad. I wish my parents knew that I could be open with them about my mistakes. I wish they knew the evils that I face every day in my environment at school. I wish they knew the fear that I I hide behind my rebellion. And I wish they knew how hard it is to stay pure in this day and time. And you read this and you say to me again, asking the question, why are we so big on the next generation? Why will we always fight for this? Why do we do this? Why do we all wear yellow tops that don't fit properly? Why do we are part of all these things? That's why I got another top one. (laughs) Why do we do all these things? 
Because if you don't, if you can hear there's a cry from a generation that is saying, will you stay involved in my life? Will you fight for me? And I'm saying to you again, this is not a parenting message. This is all of us. That there would be a spirit of Nehemiah that would be upon every single one of us. And we have to have a fight plan. And I spoke about that there was a fight plan from in April. Anyone remember what it was? No, I didn't even remember what it was and I shared it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, they can't remember, I need you, but this is completely different. This is part two, so you can go back to the website and listen to part one. Part two, that we all need to know what the fight plan is. And that's why I even want to share, what do we do regarding our next gen? Why are we so passionate about it? You know, from the youngest of age, we have what's called Edge Kids, which is 10 months to grade seven. And this year, Rosanna and myself, we've been intentional about being with all our next-gen teams. That we're not just like, it's just for them. The senior leaders of our church are saying, we are going to be fully behind this because we so believe in what the vision that God has called on our house. Edge Kids, that takes place. They have engaging praise and worship on a Sunday where they get to come in and it is chaos and it is jumping and shouting and doing things even from the youngest of age because it's applicable to them. They get engaged. They love it. I love coming home sometimes on a Sunday and I'm listening to Rachel and I'm trying to interpret what song she's singing. And she's making up the words. I'm thinking, my God is impossible. I don't know what that song is, but they have praise and worship. They intentionally have group time, but we have group leaders. That's age specific, gender specific, where they can be and do life together and share what they were learning. We have material that is graded to them, their age specific, that they're able to go through that. And as they go up the grades, they learn more and more about Jesus, about his word, this discipleship that takes place. Then we have what is Elevate which is our high schoolers. They're all about hanging out and having fun. And we want that. We want a space where they can be together, where they can have fun, that is safe on a Friday. They have the word where where it's spoken. And then they have, again, big life group time, always. There will always be intentional time to be in groups, to be able to share about what's going on. And they have fun all the time. And then we have our student age, which is our students that gather together, which is called current, where they have a gathering, whether they go out or just hang out. There's spiritual input. There's relevant topics that's discussed to them, what they're experiencing in as a student life, how they do budgeting and all kinds of stuff. And then also we have student groups that are designed just for them. And you're thinking, why am I telling you this? Because this is a part of our fight plan. That every single one of us know that it's, that it's in our head, it's in our heart, and it's in our hands. That we are all a part of it. And so I want to leave us with three things and I want to encourage you, all of us, to write this down, take this, particularly as we go into this week. That we would hold on to these three things because they want us to fight for them. And this is our fight plan. The number one, that we would pray for this generation. And you think, oh, that's obvious, Dan. No. We sang a song, how, how, how do we fight this? On our knees with our hands lifted up. Praying, saying, God, only you can change this. God, I, I'm praying for my little one. I'm believing for them. And so you're thinking, but what do I pray for? What do I pray for? Last week, Father's Day, my dad shared in his last point, he said how we are to cry out for them. And it was all about prayer. Can I tell you, I truly believe that my life is a testimony because of the prayers of my parents. You know, growing up and being a PK, a pastor's kid, we come with a reputation. Some of us live it out better than others. <laughs> Welcome back to Luke and Jackie from Doha. Um, but I'm here to say this, that 
there, there is often, there's reasons as to why they, they talk about this with a pastor's kid. They see, experience things on a different side of church. And so often there would be the stigma and things like that. But I really believe that what, what has happened in my life is, is that there's been so much intentionality with prayer and what I saw growing up. Were we perfect? Yes. Did we do everything right as a family? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I remember asking, I still say to him, I was like, Dad, what did we do? Did we do discipleship groups? Did we break bread in the morning before school? He's like, are you mad? <laughs> and you see us three getting ready in the morning. And I, and I was like, what did, why, how, what did we do? I remember as a kid, seeing my dad at his desk with his green lamp and spending time with God. A mother in a bed with a coffee and a journal. That was their spaces. It wasn't about a show. It was their lifestyle. It's what I grew up seeing. Yeah, you know, and that's been my prayer that, that my daughter would see that. And, and, and it happened not so long ago. My space is in the dining room table, at the right at the end of the dining room table. And, I, and if she wakes up before me, which is often, um, and before and while I'm doing it, that's why I have to get up so early so that I can spend time alone in my time with God before she's awake. That she knows, and I can hear her because there's nothing subtle about her when she's opening that door. It's like, ah, smashing coming through. And she's like, I'm awake. She never comes through like, uh. she makes sure that her presence is known when she comes through. And, and I, she knows that if she sees me sitting there at that time, she'll say to me, Daddy, I won't talk to you now because I know that you're talking to Jesus. But she's only really saying that to me because she knows once I know if I can put the TV on so that she can go watch TV without sending her back to her room. But she knows that that's my time. I, didn't have, yo, I did have to say to her, Rachel, I cannot play with you now. I'm busy. She understands that it's my time with God. And that's my prayer, that there are little people and they need to, church, hear me, they need to see us fighting for them and they need to see it in us, in what we're doing. So you say, what do we pray? Three prayers, very briefly, that I want you to pray. Write this down so you pray this over your children. Whether they're young, whether they're old, pray it over the children of our church, of our community, of our nation. Pray this prayer daily of our kids. Number one, pray for them to fear and show reverence to God. Now, I'm not speaking about a fear like you come trembling and you're afraid because the God is going to like squash you because you did this. Not that kind of afraid. About a reverence to God. Because this verse says in Proverbs 9 verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And my prayer is always for more wisdom. My prayer is for our children, my, children, my child, that there would be wisdom. Because wisdom helps you in making decisions going forward. And we want our kids to be, to be wise. That's why Psalm 34 verse 11 says, Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It comes from a healthy dose of having the fear and the reverence of God. You see, because with that, we see it in Scripture over and over again, when we have the fear and the reverence of God, it becomes favor, it becomes blessing, it becomes mercies and richness. And I'm saying to you, I want that for our children. I want the favor to be upon them. Please, as parents, as, as a pastor, as a church, grandparents, pray that over our young people. The second prayer I want us to pray is pray for them to be surrounded with divine favor. Divine favor. 
Because when they know that God is involved in their life and it's not just something that they earned or they could have done, but it's actually just the divine favor of God upon them, it changes their relationship with him. Because Psalm 5 verse 12 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. Listen to you surround them with your favor as with a shield. Favor in where they're stepping to workplaces. Oh, we can say, oh, you study that. No, you'll never get a job. No, well, actually, I want the favor of God upon this child's life. I need the favor of God because my child, I know that my child needs a certain kind of teacher, a certain kind of environment and schooling and, and safety. Let's pray for that divine favor of our children. I pray that often, God, will you give the right teacher for Rachel's personality and character type. God, I pray that you would have divine favor in that space. Let's pray divine favor thirdly in the third prayer that I want you to pray. It's pray for God to bring them godly friends and godly influences. This one, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Listen to me. This is a big, big one. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. You see, because in this one, in this aspect, is that in Proverbs, it speaks about as iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. And I believe this has been a defining thing in my life. That there have been influences in my life that have come my way, that have, that have come beside me. Even to this day and age, all the people that, that come along me, come side and they speak words of encouragement, influences. So number one, I'm asking us to pray. Number two, I'm asking us to prioritize. And the band's already up like I'm done. I'm not done yet, but I'm glad that you're here. You can play so long, Caleb. That's fine. I will be nearly done. I'm nearly finished. Prioritize church. Now, Yemi, I would usually garnish this, sugarcoat it, make this all pretty. I'm not going to. Because in order for us to fight, fighting is not easy. Our children need us to bring them to church. They need us to bring them. They cannot, at a young age, just go, oh, well, I'll just drive myself there. I know some of them wish they could. But not just bringing to the church, be consistent in bringing them to church. Hear me. I'm not sharing this point so that I can build numbers and attendance of a church, please. I actually couldn't care about that. That's one thing that COVID taught us very quickly. Ugh, numbers gone. It's about this principle of prioritizing what is the most important thing in our lives and as us as a family. Our children need to see us serving God. So when we say, come, let's get involved, they're not like, but you don't do it. They need to see us being a part of it, prioritizing that actually baby showers and kids' birthdays and that, that's not a priority on a Sunday in our household. And you're saying, oh, Dan, you're being legalistic. No, I'm not. Get rid of that. I'm talking about what is first in our lives here. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and everything else will be given to you. Our kids need us to be consistent in this. You see, because we don't, and, and I'm all for with, I'm all for online. I am so grateful for our online congregation. I am so grateful that we're in a space now that we can do this because there's influence that happens. People that can never get into this building are, are in church. I'm all for that. So please hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. But you know what? 
Some of us need more than just a 30-minute online service. We actually need to walk in and receive a hug at the front door. We need to be able to be in worship with where two or more gathered. There he is. We need to be able to be in a space where we see someone getting so excited. This morning, singing the blessing, I was overwhelmed. And you know what? Hearing the voices of others singing, it, it, it did something inside of me. And that's why we see this in Hebrews. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But look there, it says, but encouraging one another. Hear me, and I'm gonna say this straight. Some of us need to get out of our gowns at home and rather come to church because you don't need an online message. You need someone to embrace you. You need someone to actually speak life and encouragement to you about being in this space. So I want us to pray. I want us to prioritize in church. And lastly, I want you to participate. Pray prioritize and to participate in the development of the next generation. This is our fight plan, guys. This is how we're doing it. We, we can't change everything, but I know what we are called to do here. This little church here in Edgemead, we are called to do this. And that's why we're so big on the next gen. This is why we will do this. This is why we will invest financially. We'll invest time. We will profile. We'll keep speaking about it on the stage. That our heart is the heart of God. He loved children. He knew about the generational mentality that needed to take place. So whether you're 15, I'm calling you to serve in our age kids. Whether you're 22, I'm calling you to serve and go be a life group leader for other high schooler girls. You know what it's like as a 22 year old, what they are going through as a 15 and 16 year old. Go and be there for them. I'm calling as parents and as older people, as grandparents, be a part of the participation in developing our young people. He's saying, how do I do that? How do I do this? Number one, be an example to them. And we see this throughout scripture all over the place. We see it in Titus, how, how the woman who was, was, we were teaching the younger woman. We see how Paul would teach Timothy. We see this throughout scripture, but it was a generational mentality that took place. But be an example to them. And this links me to my thing about what they see. Gen Z is what they see. You prioritize church. You in the word of God. You in prayer time. Your children will see that. They will live that out. Will they always be perfect? Will they have it always right? Will sometimes they get lost? Of course. I'm not saying that this is a bulletproof. This is the the only way things happen. Ultimately, it's always a choice at the end of the day that a child needs to make. But I want them to have some grounding, some foundations of this rebuild that we're talking about. That when they lose their way, deep down they will know there's still a truth that they can come back to. Be an example to them. Secondly, be available to them. Again, you don't need to know the Bible and know all these verses and everything, but you can say, hey, I'm available. Even to your kids, being available to them. I know for me at this stage and age that I'm with with my daughter, it is about playing school, school with her and she's the coach and I must follow her instructions and we will have a teacher again in our house. But I know it's about that. And I know it's going to change. I laughed after the service, after I shared in the first service, some of the um, teenager parents that came to me they were like, oh, we wish we could still be playing school school with them. Because now it's like, don't talk to me, please. Just leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with them. You have to drag them out of their bedrooms. But you know when they need you? My prayer is that you would be the person that they would run to. And when they're in trouble... 
You are the person that they need. Be available to them. Be available to them like, let's do coffee. To others, not even your own kids. And obviously there needs to be boundaries in place. You cannot be like saying, let's go to 11 year old and you're like 25. Please hear me what I'm saying with this. Being availability is also saying, I'll put my hand up to be a part of the next gen. I'll put my hand up to be a part of this. Even if it's, I can only do it for this week, it's being a part of building the next generation. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. You see, this is not about counting your days, it's about making your days count. The time that we have of being available, are we, are we present but not present because of our cell phones? I just have to do this and I know that feeling. Just another thing we need to get to. I'm sorry, I have to go to a meeting. I promise you I'll play tomorrow. I, I get that life is busy. Please don't feel condemned when I'm speaking like this. But do our kids and do our young people of our community know that there are people that are available to them? That there's a church, that there's a space, that, that this building will, will always be a place for the next gen. So we are to be an example, to be available. And lastly, be positive about them. And you're like, this sounds simple. But hear me, this generation has grown up and in actual fact, every single one of us, there's so much negativity that we face on a day-to-day occasion all over in our faces. There's things that constantly bombard us. The anxiety levels, you heard of that stat that I shared? That some of them, they would all be in a psychiatric ward if we were in the 1950s according to how they measured it. There's so much anxiety that faces, pressures, demands. The last thing that they need is just more negative talk. Can we speak positively over this generation? Like, God, we believe in this so much more for them. I believe in you. Now, I'm not saying let's do fake speech and be like, you can be anything you want. And yes, they can be, but the realistic reality, then probably not going to be the president or become an astronaut. There'll be a few that do. We can speak positivity over their lives and say, God has got so much for you and where you he has called you, I believe in you. When we see some of our edge kids leaders around the building, say, thank you. We're so grateful for you. Come on, you're doing an incredible job. They don't need to be berated, this generation. They're already fully aware of the things that they've done wrong. Let's speak positivity over them. So I'm calling us as a church to pray to prioritize and to participate. Come on, a second moment and just close our eyes. And in this space, I want you just to reflect. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? What is he saying to you? Where has he challenged your heart? Whether as a parent or within next gen. Just allow him to speak to you. Father, in this space and as your spirit has been speaking and to each one of us, different things. Whether it's about changing a lifestyle to prioritize being in church more. Whether it's changing that, the way in which we do things as a, as a family unit or my view and my heart towards the next generation. 
whether it's to deepen already the passion that's inside, the place that you find, what, what God you know. I pray that you would speak and take what the desires that's inside of the heart, Lord. Even in the spaces of maybe even I, and I speak against that, these spaces of regretment or of this, and I should have, I should have, I could have. The Lord did you would, because your spirit, the Holy Spirit, is, is a comforter. You bring comfort, Lord. Bring comfort right now, I pray. And Lord, I pray for each one of us as a church, what you have called upon our hearts about rebuild. We, God, you spoke so clearly to us this year that, that we're moving, that we cannot wait, that you have called us to, to move, to, to rebuild into this generation. And I pray that the spirit of Nehemiah right now would be upon this house, upon all of us. God, that it would be that spirit of saying, I will be a part of rebuilding this generation rebuilding in my own family you know rebuilding in our community with other children with other family units with other parents that I engage with that I will be a part of this rebuilding will that spirit of Nehemiah rest upon us that we're not just going to complain about things or say it should be like that it could be like that but actually we're going to say I'm going to be a part of rebuilding these walls to be people that are for the next generation help us to always fight for this next generation. And in the space of prayer, I want to pray a salvation prayer. Each, each Sunday, whenever there's an opportunity that we have, we want to pray for this. And you see, this prayer is about acknowledging that as I was speaking about this and speaking about this next gen and speaking about all these things about introducing them about the love of God, maybe for some of you, you have never experienced that. Or at a young age, you made a decision to follow. But life has taken its course. You've drifted. Maybe now you, you're a parent. You've got a young person. You can change their future and the decisions that you make. And maybe even that's making a decision to come and follow God. Let me tell you, it's not a thing to be embarrassed about. It's the best decision that you can possibly make. I seriously, it is the best decision that you can make. And so if that's you and you're saying, Daniel, I need to make a decision to follow God and all eyes are closed in this moment. This is a private moment. And you're saying, I want to make a decision. And, and it's a personal decision you're making. And you're not making it for anyone else. But I can tell you now, your decision will impact others, will impact your child, will impact people around you. If that's you and you're saying, I want to make a decision to follow God. I've never made that decision or I once made it, but I've drifted. Right now, with all eyes closed, just lift your hand to say, Daniel, will you pray for me right now in this moment? Amen. And you can put it down. Amen. You can put it down. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, today I acknowledge that I need you. I acknowledge that I haven't been following you. Or I've been trying to do it in my own strength, but truly I haven't surrendered my heart. But on this day, Holiday Club Commissioning Service, I'm making a decision to intentionally follow you. I'm turning from for what I have been living like and now I'm turning to follow you. I believe in you. And so on this day, I make a choice. I make a decision to follow you. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people say it together with a loud voice. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen.